the Todd Stansbury Podcast from RamblinWreck.com. This is the official podcast of Georgia Tech Athletic Director Todd Stansbury as he gives you an inside look at what's happening around Yellow Jacket Athletics. Now, alongside Tech Athletic Director Todd Stansbury, here's the voice of the Yellow Jackets, Andy Demetra. And happy to have you along. Welcome in, everybody, to a new edition of the Toddcast here at Georgia Tech, along with Athletic Director Todd Stansberry. I'm Andy Demetra. October is always a hectic month of the athletic calendar in college sports, and no different this year, perhaps especially so this year, given all that's going on in the world. And so, Todd, we appreciate some time that you're spending with us to uh, get us up to speed on what's been going on around Georgia Tech Athletics on the Toddcast. How are you? Doing great. How are you doing today? Doing well. It, we, we joked on a previous podcast that John Heisman, when he was AD here, he didn't leave you any playbook on how to handle an athletic department during a pandemic like he did during the 1918 Spanish flu. But here we are closing in on the end of October. Fall sports are continuing. Winter sports, men's, women's basketball about to start up. What's been the most eye-opening part of these last two months now that – athletic seasons have been in progress and what's given you the greatest source of pride in the way that you and your athletic department and student athletes have handled everything well I mean if you had told me in uh in August beginning of September that we would actually get to this point where we're halfway through a football season uh women's volleyball has completed their fall season uh, at that point, it didn't even look like we were going to be able to play games. And then once we started to develop that roadmap on how it might be possible, until we were actually <laughs> playing them, you don't know whether you're playing them or not, as we almost found out when we were up there at Syracuse. So I think the amazing thing is the 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 dedication and the and, and uh, just the way that our our student athletes have handled themselves the leadership that our coaches have provided for us to even be here uh, playing games uh, is a thing that um, is most gratifying, knowing how hard it has been um, just to get to the point where your your student-athletes are back safe. You can provide a, 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 um, a training environment that keeps them safe. Uh, we've been able to play games, and so um, it's uh, – it's it's a victory to get to where we are, that's for sure. Have you been sleeping better on those Friday nights? We talked in the last podcast about how fitful a night's sleep it was for you the Friday before that Florida State game. Still kind of the same sleep patterns? Uh, yeah. I, I, I mean, we don't know where, whether we've uh, – what our te- we, we are living right now test to test. And because you don't know until you get those tests back early Saturday morning – uh, whether you're playing or not, and then you're also hoping that on the other side that their tests come back negative so that they're good to go. Um, so, yeah, Friday nights, um, uh, not a lot of sleep because as soon as those results come in, I want to have them, uh, knowing that uh, we're good to go. And, and thankfully, uh, uh, we, we've been able to um, – 
avoid any serious issues and uh, th- uh, testing three times a week, getting all those negatives has definitely been pretty gratifying. How have you liked the game day environment and the game day procedures at Bobby Dodd? Uh, anybody who was at that Friday night game versus Louisville, you couldn't have told them that Bobby Dodd was at 20% capacity because it was. It still evoked those same feelings of a night game at Bobby Dodd and watching Georgia Tech win, but three home games into the 2020 football season what would have been your thoughts and how things have been operating? Well, just there's no roadmap for this. As you said, uh, Heisman didn't leave me any kind of roadmap on how to navigate a pandemic. Uh, so the the work that our people have put into being able to have fans at games and then being actually able to to pull that off in the way that they that we've been able to do it, incredibly gratifying. Um, but you do, uh, it, it, it's hard to believe um, that uh, all that work um, that was put in over the summer in, in trying to imagine how we would be able to do this and now being actually able to do it has, has been uh, a pretty awesome feat and, and hats off to our basically our entire staff. It's been surprising how quickly people have seemed to adapt. Yeah, no, I, I, I think uh, because we're all adapting in our normal lives, just going to the grocery store isn't what it used to be, that's for sure. And so being able, uh, seeing our people wearing their masks and keeping their distance and, and doing uh, uh, taking care of each other, and ultimately that's what we're all doing. And, and also hats off to the way our students have uh, risen to the occasion in the student section. Uh, they're coming to games, um, and obviously they're 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 having a good time. But it's not the norm, that's for sure. But um, uh, them also being able to uh, create a a safe environment in the student section is um, is something that I, I, I needs to be recognized. Had to table Yellow Jacket Alley this year for social distancing reasons, but in its place, the drip walk has been created. I mean, when are we going to see you on the drip walk, Todd? <laughs> I don't know about all that. Don't know? I don't know. It's not on my schedule. They will unclick the uh, velvet ropes for you. You just say the word. I would like to see that before the uh, before the year is out. Well, as we said, folks, we had a lot to talk about. Again, if you're listening to the Toddcast, make sure you like, you listen, you subscribe, you leave us a comment, you tell your friends about it. Uh, since that Friday night and the Louisville win, 46-27, been a, a bit of a bumpy couple of Saturdays for, for the football team. But as we're approaching now the second half of the 2020 season, uh, give us your thoughts on, on what you've seen from football. I mean, I, I'm frustrated like everybody that's associated with the program, including Coach Collins, including our team. Uh, you, you see flashes of brilliance, and then all of a sudden you, you, you see uh, mistakes that are costly and uh, turnovers and penalties and those kinds of things, which um, uh, you know make it difficult to win when – you're playing the kind of competition we're playing. But, you know, we knew this was going to be a tough transition. Anytime you, well, nobody has gone through a uh, triple option transition since sometime in the 70s when everybody transitioned. Um, but uh, we knew it was going to be tough. That doesn't make it any easier when you're in the middle of it. Um, but uh, I think that when you look at uh, the, the talent, uh, especially at the speed positions. Um, then um, you look at what some of our young young guys are doing out there. Now, sometimes they revert back to being freshmen because they are freshmen. 
but they are incredibly talented, and it's pretty obvious that um, uh, we're on the right track, and unfortunately it's going to take us um, some time. But uh, a lot of positive things out there, and I think at the end of the day, you got to say the future is bright. It still sounds so weird to say a conference game this weekend against Notre Dame, but then again, what is common in, uh, in 2020? So we look forward to seeing everybody at Bobby Dodd this Saturday. Big matchup against number three Notre Dame, and on top of what was already going to be an enlivened atmosphere, Georgia Tech pay, playing tribute to uh, an era that you know intimately, and that is the Black Watch as they debut those throwback black uniforms in honor of the Black Watch. For somebody who played defensively in that era, uh, what does it mean to you to see that uh, Georgia Tech is going to pay homage to uh, to that period of Georgia Tech football? Hey, since we're going down memory lane, and uh, of course the Black Watch um, were, were my teammates, um, but I also, just talking about the transition, um, I've been here before, and uh, first as a player, uh, uh, I was signed by uh, Pepper Rogers and was on Coach Curry's, uh, but played for Coach Curry and the, the tough transition that we made um, over those uh, first couple of years that ultimately ended up with the Black Watch. And um, I, so I lived through um, that, that tough transition. And then, of course, I was here as the academic advisor um, when Bobby Ross was here and a similar transition. Um, that, that was incredibly painful going from, uh, from Coach Curry to Bobby Ross, where it really took us three years to get that thing up and running. And then in year four, we win a national championship. So um, the, before we talked about the Black Watch, I also wanted to bring some perspective to um, the fact that these things are never easy. And I think going from um, a, a system program to uh, one that that um, is uh, uh, where the Jimmys and Joes really matter a lot um, is uh, is the reason that um, I knew going in that this was not going to be an easy process. But getting back to my guys, the Black Watch, um, uh, Pat Swilling, Ted Roof, uh, Mark Pike, uh, just uh, an incredible group of. Of uh, uh, of teammates Mark Hogan and and um, and Mike Travis and Jim Anderson uh, and uh, now he's known as uh, Najee Mustafa, but at the time Reggie Rutland, just um, great players, uh, great teammates, and um, uh, under uh, uh, Coach Curry and and Don Lindsay's leadership. Uh, just a really, really special time for Georgia Tech defenses. Led the ACC in scoring defense in 84 and 85. But it's not just the numbers. It was how they did it. Why do you think that Black Watch defense and that period remained so revered from Georgia Tech fans? They were just so aggressive. They took the fight to the offense. And I think to cap it all off um, in that 85 season, just the way that um, we beat Michigan State in a bowl game um, where Todd Rampley, as a, a freshman quarterback, had to come in and, and, and manage that game on the offense. And then the Black Watch just shut down uh, Michigan State, who had a, a, a great 
All-American running back in Lorenzo White. Andre Risen was um, on that team. Uh, Nick Saban was a coach on that team. I mean, I think the way that um, not only it was just this incredible buildup over two years that kind of culminated um, over in Birmingham in that bowl game that uh, made the Black Watch legendary. How long has this tribute been in the works? Because I, I know it was originally going to be for the Notre Dame game at Mercedes-Benz Stadium and then when the schedule got reconfigured, but you had targeted this Notre Dame game as being the game where you would honor the Black Watch and, as we saw this week, unveil those throwback uniforms. Yeah, uh, really, when we, did the, um, uh, when we did the Adidas partnership. So this thing's been in the works about two years. As you know, um, your, your uniforms are designed more than a year in advance. So for us to even uh, start thinking about this, we, all, we, we had to get, uh, get this on their board um, uh, two years in advance. So, um, and we had targeted, obviously, uh, with the plans of playing Notre Dame in Mercedes-Benz, that is, uh, as, a, as a great time, one, to recognize these guys um, and for the contributions that they've had um, to the program and really has set the standard for defenses um, ever since. And, um, and, and so uh, we, we really wanted the opportunity to recognize the Black Watch. Uh, and Notre Dame is such a, you know, just a special game to begin with. And then we were going to play it in Mercedes-Benz. So it was going to be the perfect way to bring all those guys back. Unfortunately, it looks like we're going to have to um, – do this again sometime in the future so that I can bring my teammates back and we're able to celebrate the way we would have normally done it this year. What kinds of feelings rushed back when you saw the, the uniform reveal on social media? Pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I think they are, they're legit black watch uniforms and, um, without the, uh, Without without the big holes in those jerseys, the big mesh holes, the big mesh holes, and uh, fortunately, uh, our guys will not be wearing ponies. They will be wearing Adidas. They'll still be playing on uh, synthetic turf, but it's much nicer than the kind they laid down at Bobby Dodd there in that era. Yeah, this is not the parking lot that we played on. That's for sure. Can we get some high shoulder pads and neck rolls for the defensive guys as well? And what about all those pads and the pants and everything? I mean, how I don't know how you guys move? I know. I, I have, that, that must be the excuse why we don't look at quite as fast as these guys we got now. Because <laughs> you look like refrigerators walking around with all the padding. So, again, uh, if you want to buy one of the replica Blackwatch jerseys, they are available on ramblinrec.com. And if you can't make it here with us, on Saturday, it's going to be on national television. As much as that pains me to say as the radio broadcaster, yes, national television, ABC at 3.30. Look forward to Tommy Slather, what should be a very special Saturday for uh, Georgia Tech football. You said in as many words, Todd, that progress is a process, and so much of that traces back to recruiting, stacking together consistent quality classes and steadily reaping the rewards of that. With that in mind and knowing the challenges that lay ahead here because of COVID, you wanted to, to talk more about Support the Swarm and where we stand right now with that, why it still remains a number one priority uh, for you as the athletic director. Well, as I've said before, COVID-19 is an existential threat to our program. Um, and my goal is to make this a one-year problem and not a three- to five-year total rebuild. Um, as part of the fact that we're uh, 
we've got probably a $25 million hole uh, in our revenue uh, budget just based on the fact that uh, we're not able to play at capacity. We're, you know, playing in front of 11, 12,000 fans in football. We don't know yet what basketball is going to totally look like. Uh, so with that in mind, we had to go into, into um, our budget year having no idea what our revenues were going to look like, knowing that they were going to be drastically um, less than what we would normally anticipate. And so we cut all of our uh, program budgets, sport budgets, administrative budgets, anywhere from 20 to 30%, which included a 50% uh, uh recruiting budget reduction. So in my mind, that is recruiting being the lifeblood of, um, uh, of all programs and, of course, uh, riding the wave of success that we have um, uh, with Coach Collins how signing in the top 25 class that he did last year and on his way to doing another one. Um, but all of our programs have be really been uh, recruiting at a high, high level. And then to cut those budgets by 50%, in my mind, that is our biggest threat right now to our program. Uh, our, our, our goal is um, to, well, uh, at, full, at full revenue capacity under normal circumstances from uh, ticket sales and tech fund, uh, we're typically looking at $25 million. Uh, our goal is $15 million. Um, to, to kind of get back to being able to provide our uh, student-athletes uh, the support and also uh, make whole those recruiting budgets. we got to get to $15 million. Um, $10 million keeps us kind of where we are, which is in a, which is in a tough spot. It, it definitely is putting us in a tough spot. Right now we're a little over $9 million. So uh, we've got a ways to go. And um, so what we're asking our people to do is uh, whatever you would normally invest in our program through season tickets, through game day tickets, uh, through tech fund, uh, to turn that into a philanthropic gift to AT and support the swarm uh, so that we can count on that support. Uh, and uh, not knowing what's happening in basketball yet and what capacity may look like, we're asking our basketball uh, season ticket holders to to stick with us regardless of what that season looks like and whether we're we've got fans whether we're at lower capacity whatever that is uh, to to um, roll uh, to to roll your uh, season ticket support into um, support the swarm support so at nine million dollars right now if you guys can't reach the ten million dollar threshold but what'll be the consequences well then we're going to have to look at because the budget we have right now. Um, is uh, we've penciled in 10 million in support the swarm, so we would actually have to take further cuts on the um, on the uh, uh, cost side of things. Uh, so 10 million keeps us at 50 percent recruiting budgets and 30 percent operation budgets. Uh, we also have 16 unfilled full-time positions that we're putting on hold. Uh, that affect all areas of our program. Uh, so I can't kind of underline, emphasize it enough how important uh, getting from the $9 million to the $15 million is. So uh, support the swarm. There, You can draw a direct line between support the swarm and making sure that recruiting momentum continues. Now, if the NCA 
lifts its moratorium on in-person recruiting later in the fiscal year, which, of course, all coaches hope will happen, presuming it's safe. What does that do then for support the swarm and the urgency to get up to, say, that $15 million mark? Well, then it just puts a further squeeze on us because um, the uh, coaches will have to find a way um, to do visits and to uh, have in-person recruiting without necessarily the budget to be able to do it at the level we normally would do it. Um, And so that's why... Uh, if all of a sudden the NCAA takes the moratorium off, uh, the pressure to uh, have those funds is is even g- going to be more acute. Uh, once again, support the swarm. Give us the bullet points, Todd. The best way to contribute and support the swarm once again. Uh, basically, um, you can either go with uh, the easiest way is go with these virtual tickets um, that that we've got on our website. Uh, Talk to your uh, season ticket representative in the ticket office who will be calling you um, and just tell them, hey, turn, uh, you know, uh, uh, take my funds and, and, and move those over to support the swarm uh, contributions. Um, so basically, or if uh, you normally do season tickets in a certain tech fund uh, but are able to do more, um, uh, we would appreciate uh, you basically making those contributions to Alexander Tharp and designate it as Support the Swarm. All right, there you go. All right, Todd, we've talked about football, but they certainly aren't the only fall sport in season. Volleyball just wrapped up its fall competition schedule, kind of keeping the fire glowing uh, in preparation for a fuller season in the spring. Eight matches for Michelle Collier. They finished winning their last seven and uh, certainly worthy of all of the preseason billing that they received uh, heading into the year. Yeah, I mean, uh, volleyball carried in the momentum from last year, uh, finishing uh, the season with seven straight wins. Uh, ranked eighth in the country, um, and um, kind of picked up right where they left off. Of course, they'll get to play again uh, in the spring as the NCAA has moved uh, the volleyball uh, championship to the spring. So we anticipate them uh, continuing that push, and they have some. They they can really have a really really special uh, season with the the kind of talent they have, and and. Um, and, and have already showed it in the eight games they played this fall. When will that second portion of the schedule be finalized? Do you have any idea? Like so many things that we're <laughs> dealing with now, it's, uh, you know, it's a TBD, but sure. um, we know that they'll be playing uh, in the fall and, and ramping up for uh, the NCAA tournament. Well, I was at the first Clemson match last week. I was broadcasting it for ACC Network, and even though capacity is limited, O'Keefe's acoustics are still just as harsh <laughs> Uh, even with limited attendance, they can still get loud and, and pretty tricky for an opponent. So kudos to Michelle Kelly and volleyball and cross country wrapped up a, a really good regular season in the fall. They still have ACC championships as we sit here talking, but strong finishes for them as well. Yeah, I mean, they're uh, hovering right around the top 25 right now and had uh, uh, a, a number of top three finishes. And because of the way that we're having to um, – kind of regionalize some of our Olympic sport competitions. They've never had a stronger um, season because instead of flying and uh, around the country and, and, um, and uh, playing a, a national schedule, in our case, a regional schedule is tougher because all they've done all, all season 
is uh, run against SEC and ACC competition. And so um, uh, those uh, top three finishes are pretty significant for them. And the ACC championships taking place on Friday, Cary, North Carolina. Uh, let's turn to Unity Week, which is an initiative across the conference. It began on Monday. Give us a little bit of an overview of Unity Week, the impetus behind it, and what kinds of things that fans will be seeing out of Georgia Tech this week. Yeah, Unity Week, um, an ACC initiative. All all of our campuses will be celebrating it, and it's a week to celebrate our student-athlete staff, our diversity, and the fact that athletics, we are the most diverse workforce really in the world. No question. When you look out on the field, when you look at uh, the athletics family, um, not only our student-athletes, but our staff. So this is really an opportunity to celebrate the fact that diversity makes us stronger and, and the power of the huddle. When you're in the huddle, it does not matter your background, where you came from, who your dad was, whether you have a dad or not. And so this is an opportunity for all of our ACC schools uh, to really celebrate uh, the strength and also not only the strength um, of diversity, but the incredible magic that happens in the huddle that uh, we as, as student-athletes, former student-athletes, um, uh, end up uh, participating in and ultimately um, uh, making our lives richer and uh, and and just being uh, incredible experiences. A lot, a lot of these statements about diversity and unity and inclusion, they've been student-athlete driven, and that's something that you've been very adamant about is allowing the student-athletes here to exercise their First Amendment rights and to use their platforms as Georgia Tech student-athletes, uh, knowing that they have so much intelligence and thoughtfulness already, else they wouldn't be at Georgia Tech, um, to express themselves uh, using those platforms. Yeah, I mean, our young people are the best of the best. Um, the, uh, the student athletes at Georgia Tech are the best that their generation has to offer. And so the opportunity uh, for us to wor work with these young people, one, it's um, incredibly gratifying, but we're, we're, we are developing uh, the young people who we talk about all the time is we, we're developing the young people who will change the world. I quite frankly think that um, we talk about the World War II generation as the greatest generation. I think this is the next greatest generation. Um, their intellect, their thoughtfulness, their wanting to help, their, their, their introspection, their reflection. I mean, these are, are really um, young people that our alums and our fans uh, are, sh should be and would be really, really proud of and just um, uh, how thoughtful they are. So uh, we, quite frankly, we strive to develop these young people so that they're equipped to lead and live a life of purpose. At the end of the day, that's what we want for them. And we're going to need them because uh, these are the, the, uh, the young people that will, as Georgia Tech graduates, will ultimately take on the, 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 the global issues of our time and their time, and, um, and, and they are preparing here because that's one thing the Institute does is it creates leaders and it develops problem solvers. And the other part of this is we want to help create a world where all of our student-athletes are able to take full advantage of being Georgia Tech 
graduates. And so as we look at the platform, as we look at what sport has, uh, the magic of sport in bringing people together, we're working with our student athletes to see how do we use our platform to tell the uh, our uh, to 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 tell the story of the magic of the huddle, um, to to tell the the student athlete stories who come from all different backgrounds, all different experiences, and then guess what? You get in the huddle and you're one team, and so that's what Unity Work uh, Week is all about. That's what it we're doing here um, within athletics um, and um, at the end of the day we are developing the next greatest generation and, um, and, and, and these are young people that I think we're, we're all very very proud of. There are several league-wide efforts for Unity Week from the ACC but also your own DEI huddle has planned several things throughout the week. Make sure you follow, folks, the social media channels for Georgia Tech Athletics throughout the week for Unity Week recognitions and, uh, and celebrations. As an athletic director, you swell with pride when you see Georgia Tech win. You swell with pride when you see facilities getting built and dedicated. But I imagine you had to swell, Todd, with just as much pride when you saw all vote, no play, passing the NCAA legislation, something that took so much of its grassroots start here at Georgia Tech, and then that continues on Election Day with McCamish Pavilion serving as a voting site for the general election. To see that grow from the end of June to what it has become now, what kinds of feelings does that elicit in you as the AD? Well, I, I, I think the fact you, you saw it grow from a team meeting where uh, in a men's basketball team meeting where a student-athlete had an idea uh, about voting – and uh, it grows into a national, uh, you know, it becomes a national thing. And uh, I know that we got credited with it, at, uh, I think, in the Washington Post um, for this all, all vote, no play. And so I, I think not only am I very, very proud of um, our student athletes and our coaches and them all coming together behind this initiative, but it also goes to show you that um, when you put the best people in a room, they come up with some pretty good ideas. And I think it's a great example of what's happening uh, in these locker rooms, in these huddles, in these team meetings that for the, usually we never, ever see or the general public never sees. However, this is, uh, this is something that came out of one of our team meetings that went national, and I think a great example of the kinds of things that are going on with our teams. I think the other thing is, um, you know, us starting uh, Unity Week Coffee with the Cops in Callaway Plaza and, and um, having, having over 200 of our student athletes and staff um, basically just down there shooting the breeze um, uh, with the Georgia Tech PD, and the chief was out there, Chief Connolly, and, and uh, and, and, and his officers, and what a great opportunity for us all to get together because the conversation uh, has been going on for a while, but the idea is how can we work together to uh, create a better community, to reach people, um, to be a positive impact, to bring people together. And so I see that as also something that we'll be doing on a regular basis 
um, while this we used it this um, this week to kick off Unity Week. Mm-hmm. Um, it was so successful. We I've already talked with um, Leah Thomas and, uh, and uh, who's head of our uh, Total Person program and um, our student athlete leadership on the SOB about looking at doing this on a, you know a once a month type basis because uh, it was incredibly successful. Yeah. Now, be proud. Be proud, folks, of what you're seeing from uh, these Georgia Tech student-athletes here during Unity Week. By the way, we just got the numbers. 1,500 people voted early at McCain's Pavilion uh, over those three days last week. And also, Georgia Tech Student Government Association made it a goal for McCambridge to be staffed entirely by student volunteers on Election Day. And your student-athletes are, are assisting in that effort as well. Yeah, no, and uh, I think for the most part uh, we'll be providing directions to people that may not be familiar with our campus on how to get to McCamish. And, and so really um, I know our student-athletes are really excited to also see that something that they started – November 3rd is kind of like, you know, the culmination of, of their project that they came up with uh, in McCamish That's at right. a team meeting that, uh, anyways, um, really, really uh, a lot of great stuff going on here and, um, and re- uh, a lot to be uh, proud of when, when looking at uh, uh, the impact that our student-athletes are already making uh, in their communities. Well, this has been fun. Very informative uh, podcast as we cover the bases here around Georgia Tech Athletics. I have one regret, but I guess I can turn it into a request. We had Pat Swilling voice the Black Watch <laughs> video that unveiled the Black Watch throwback uniforms that will be on display on Saturday. Can we, can we still do a photo shoot with you in one of the Black Watch uniforms as part of a, like a secondary uniform reveal? Uh, I don't know. Since I really uh, wasn't good enough to be on the Black Watch, um, the, I, I'm going to tell you something, though. The leadership that Pat Swilling and Ted Roof provided uh, to that defense, that was a special mm-hmm. group. And um, I'm really happy that we're – we're honoring them and the rest and, and all those guys um, uh, on Saturday because uh, uh, just what, looking at the reveal and in the, the little uh, video that we put together, they were violent. <laughs> I mean, that was a violent defense. And um, I say that in the most positive way. Yes. Yes, in context, of course. And it will be nice. You will see a couple of Swillings prowling the field on Saturday wearing those black watch uniforms. I mean, that's even uh, that's pretty cool that yeah. um, Pat has uh, two of his sons on the on, on the current team, and they will be in black watch uniforms. Did you were you a neck roll guy, by the way, when you played? I had all kinds of neck issues, so I I, I invented some neck rolls. You did, okay. Yeah. yeah. Did you, did you uh, make the patents for that? <laughs> They didn't work so well. It kind of ended my career early. Oh, boy. <laughs> Had to get some stronger stuff there, <laughs> yeah. some more space-age material. Well, this is fun, Todd. We appreciate it. Thanks so much, folks. Make sure you like, you listen, you subscribe to the Toddcast. Can't wait to do it again really soon. Todd, we appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. All right. He's A.D. Todd Stansberry. I'm Andy Demetra. Thanks so much for listening to the Toddcast, everyone. Have a great one. The Todd Stansbury Podcast is a presentation of RamblinWreck.com. Go Jackets!